0: Yeah, I, you know, we, we made up our names when in like, while we were in high school, we wanted to be cool, like Guns N' Roses and have fake names. And now um, I didn't actually imagine being 41 and, and still having a fake name. So,
1: yeah, <laughs> well, <all> <laughs> it always comes full circle, right? Uh, it's yes. back in vogue. But uh, for those that don't know, lead singer of Avenged Sevenfold, also known as A7X, um, you know, one of my ex-co-workers, someone I hired when I was working at Axie Infinity, was a huge fan. The first NFT that he minted was a death bat which was part of your 10k collection we're going to talk about that in some detail and hopefully expose a few more people to the the death bats club and i think i i have a shared thesis with you but maybe we'll we'll dive in a little bit deeper uh really excited to hear about your your nft history and how you got into blockchain i always love a good red pill story because someone like you can't be this deep without having some sort of a a cool introduction so maybe that's a a good starting point man how do you get into it
0: yeah um I guess it starts with um hearing about Bitcoin in 2016 um and then shortly after um learning about Ethereum and kind of learning about the differences and smart contracts and what they could do and kind of like really just like going deep on the the reddits and the the discords and kind of understanding what what it all was um so got into crypto and you know I, I was during that era and I I always talk about it as if like everyone was doing this, but, you know, buying every coin, like Litecoin and, you know, every single thing that came out at the time. Um, And to be honest, as soon as I got into it, it just started kind of rising in um, price. And the initial reason to buy Bitcoin and Ethereum and Litecoin and all those things was um, because it was an investment. I felt like it was an important thing um, in terms of the technology, but it was an investment now That's
1: all you could do with it right i mean there
0: wasn't a 100% it was an investment and the reason i bring that up is because when we did end up getting into nfts um it kind of changed for me right like um there was things that were an investment and then there was also things that i really really appreciated and loved um mm-hmm. so if you jump to 2020 i kept hearing about cryptopunks um from different places whether it was like a new york times article or you know on you know just i i can't even like really remember where i saw it but i was hearing about these things called crypto punks and my buddy joe tataro at the time um had been messing around with crypto kitties
1: mm-hmm.
0: and um and so i kind of went over to his house and i'm like hey let tell me about these things and he basically you know we got a metamask wallet and we started like messing around he showed me crypto kitties so we just started like looking at crypto punks and i was like man these things are It's so interesting because I know about smart contracts and this kind of seems like the first real thing that's interesting me on the blockchain that I can kind of understand why they would be important someday. Um, and I just fell in love with the culture. I started hanging out in the discord, the CryptoPunks discord, the larva labs one all the time, really learning from the OGs in there about what this all was and um then i decided since i had a bunch of bitcoin and a bunch of ethereum that i was going to start buying these things so i uh with the help of joe i um bought a few cryptopunks and then it became more and more cryptopunks i became obsessed with cryptopunks and that's kind of where it all started um i was kind of just free floating in the discord learning about it showing people about them learning about art blocks Collecting art blocks. Um, I was back in the day when you'd have all those gas wars and just, it was this chaos where you'd, you know, you'd, you'd pay $4,000 for one mint because the gas. So yeah, that's the era I kind of came from. And I guess to tie it all together, when the board Ape yacht club came out and everyone was minting those. And I saw what they were doing with like this sort of like, you know, the bathroom and the ability to, token gate areas of the web and the ability to maybe make this sort of a membership and sort of like a this different sort of thing that's when like the the aha moment for me kind of kicked on what we were going to do with mm-hmm. death bats club sure. but i but i will but i but i do differentiate between something like bitcoin some the use cases of web3 something like art blocks something like cryptopunks and something like the board ape yacht club there is a huge difference between all these projects and what their use cases are and and why people would find them attractive and um totally so so it's really hard to talk about nfts when people that don't understand it they just they don't understand how many things you can do with this technology right. um and so that maybe i'll leave it there um and let you lead this but that's kind of where where i where I started and how I got
1: there. No, that that's incredible, and that's that's great context, and that actually shortens a couple of those softball intro questions that I had. You you you've got like a, a layer deeper deeper knowledge than I do. I really got in more like 2017. I started mining litecoins. That was my entry point. I was watching Bitcoin for a long time. You know, I'm a little younger, so I didn't really have any money to invest. I was a college student watching a lot of this stuff on the sidelines. I didn't really get in until like 2018. I tried to make a little game on Ethereum called Crypto Geodes. Never made it. Off the test net and then I went back to doing esports stuff Dota 2 and play-by-play commentary all that kind of stuff on Twitch and then came back when Axie Infinity became like a real company you know Sky Mavis in I guess it was early 2021 and then that was my real deep dive. Okay, I'm full time Web three now, and that was the the play to earn stuff. And I guess I would be remiss if I didn't ask like did did you follow any of that play to earn movement? Did any are you a gamer at all? Did did you play Axie? Any chance that I I know all the Axie people watching would be so curious.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I never played Axie because I'm a. Um, my, my, so my son's a PC master race guy. I,
1: I feel it. As yeah. I've gotten older,
0: I've gotten much more comfortable just being on my Xbox. Um, but I was following all of it, right? Like there's a bunch of, I always understood what that could, should, and will be most likely. And I started investing in a lot of startups that were doing like something like Shrapnel, right? Okay. Where there's this play to earn, or not even play to earn. That's more of like, That's like an extraction game, right? Where so there's so many ways you can cut the Web three video game sort of
1: yeah all these different things yeah
0: yeah so there's so many ways you can kind of go about that and I'm interested in all of it. Obviously, I don't have um I don't have the deepest knowledge of all of it because I I just don't you can't be in everything at all all the time totally. But definitely watching it all. I I was watching it It makes sense to me and um yeah so I'll leave it at there. But leave it there. But yeah um. The gaming aspect of all this again when you talk about nfts there's that whole aspect yeah and yeah. it's it's just like it's different than what a fidenza is going to give you or a board eight right it's
1: yeah it's totally different yeah. verticals it's designed for totally different audiences and i think music and this live experience what i've heard some people call like proof of participation might be an entire another vertical, you know, on top of that. And, you know, like even restaurants, you know, we're seeing all these rewards programs on Polygon now. Like, I'm really excited about seeing this stuff tie into the mainstream. You know, it feels like a very similar cycle. And in 2010, when I first started in esports, everybody said, you're crazy. No one's ever going to pay you to watch someone else play video games. You know, why would you watch when you could just be playing video games yourself? That was the really common mantra. And if you went to the live events, then you, then you would start to get it. That was when the, the sponsors would be sold, so to speak, when they would bring their kids to the live events and they would see the engagement and go, okay, this is sticky. There's something here. And then it all starts to take off. And I feel like I'm seeing some of that similar doubt, some of that similar energy right now. Um, and you know, a lot of the I just came back from two different conferences and both of them, I, I had people going, wow, just by explaining that Ethereum is a world computer, you know, a public database that anybody can use and access. And like people don't even like hear that mantra that much anymore because we've gotten so far away from the source. So, um, anyway, just some observations as someone that's like deep in the space, you know,
0: because you know, the it's, it's proof that the culture defines what is acceptable, right? Like the, the youth coming up and, you know, I, I came from an era where, you know, we all got our first Nintendo when we were like seven or eight and we became obsessed with video games. There was no online, there was none of that. And then we went, The internet was invented. Then you had like Halo, where you could actually like um, play against each other, and you could go, Blood you know, do that, yeah. yeah. And so you could do all that. And then you had Call of Duty come out, which refined a whole genre of first-person shooters. And then you had things like Twitch come out, where my generation, who was constantly arguing with our parents that video games weren't just for losers, and that that we that we were going to play the rest, you know. You're never going to play that when you're older. Well, my generation is the generation that we're rolling into our 40s and we all still play video games. Like I play every night. And, but then our generation turned around and told the younger generation that why the hell would you want to watch somebody talk about video games? You should, you don't want to play the video games. And we were proven wrong, right? And it's, the culture is going to decide what's acceptable and what people want to do. Mm -hmm. And as these younger people come up, they're going to decide like, Do I want to own these skins? Do I want to put music out on a record label? Do I want to own my masters? Do I want to, and it takes this sort of slow evolution and people like our job, my job, I think, is to have an open mind and to look at everything from the lens of the young kids coming up. And at some point you're going to have that too, where you're going to be 60 and you're going to be like totally disgusted by what someone's doing coming up. But then you got to kind of step back and go, okay, well, this is, how my parents felt when the Beatles came out and their parents were telling them it was trash. Um, and so, um, yeah, it's, it's exciting and we know where it's going. The, the, the human sort of need to move forward never stops and it doesn't care who it rolls over. Um, and, and so you kind of want to be on that train. You don't really want to, I don't really necessarily want to get off that train. I love that.
1: Yeah. Well, now it's like the hyper social side of it is what's so crazy. I think that's the gener- generational shift you and I really experienced where it was a fear of gaming being this antisocial, disconnected, pre-internet. You're just alone in your house and not doing anything with other humans. And then you know the internet comes along, World of Warcraft, Diablo 2, II, Warcraft 3. For me, these were these highly social games where you could make a friends list, quickly ping everybody and just kind of the stopgap for social media before MySpace and Facebook started to, to take over everything. And now, um, yeah, I, I already feel it like AI and all this other stuff. It, it's a big rabbit hole, but you know, I'm, I'm still caught up on <laughs> blockchain and, and trying to, uh, bring a little more transparency to the base layer of a lot of these systems. I, I think it's uh, it's super exciting, and to me, gaming is just a really a great vehicle and application to spread the technology. I think outside of you know Axie Infinity's game or any other specific detail, what it did was open up the proof of concept that wow, there's there's merit to this like utility NFT. You know, they were the ones that really CryptoKitties inspired it. Uh, were you? Were you doing crypto kitties, by the way? Were you actually breeding them, or was that just an inspiration point for other stuff?
0: No. So that was so th- my so my good friend Joe, who I met in sixth grade, he moved to San Francisco and was one of the lead guys at Barracuda Cybersecurity. When he moved okay. back down and we started the Death Bats Club, he's the one that built his business around building out these, you know, proof of concepts. When We can get into that later, what Deathbats Club is. And he has his whole group of people that came from Barracuda Cybersecurity. He was already messing around and breeding CryptoKitties and playing with them. So when I came to him with CryptoPunks, you know, I drove over to his house and I'm like, CryptoPunks. And he's like, oh, here's my wallet. And I could see that he was already messing around. So I had like this sort of, I had to catch up a little bit on CryptoKitties, but I thank God for him. Mm. already being involved in that that that's what was enabled him to kind of explain to me what I needed to do to get some cryptopunks
1: gotcha that makes sense yeah so that a, a lot of like the, the axie founders they all met in cryptokitties so that that was a big like awesome. inspiration point for a lot of different, you know, forks in the NFT world. And it's amazing to kind of, someone needs to capture all this history. I hope Laura Shin writes another book that really, you know, <laughs> expands some of the the capturing of the culture because it gets lost um, so quickly. Um, and you've got a couple of punks tattooed on your legs, right? Is that, that's, that's not a meme? Is that real? Do, do I remember that picture correctly? It's real, yeah, it's real yeah. yeah. So what what's the deal with those two punks specifically? Are they like high attributes or what's... Uh, no like
0: they look like me and my wife
1: oh okay so that's yeah
0: so um one one is a great story to how we got it um i can get into that if we want but one looks just like me it's got like a a do-rag and the glasses and it looks like me (laughs) on stage and then the other one looks like and it's one i wanted for so long and when it came up i got it but um it's like the kill bill punk it's she's got the, the eye patch and the blonde hair and my wife's blonde hair and she's My wife's awesome. She's a badass. I love it. Um, And so that was like, like, this is us. And so instead of getting like real portraits of us, I got, Are crypto punks tattooed on me.
1: Well, that's a cool flex because it implies that you've cycled through enough punks to be able to be like, yo, we got the the PFPs that actually look like us. You know, most people are lucky to get one floor punk in their like entire life, unless you're at a different point. So congratulations to that. You really did see the the vision early. and, And I admire that because even though I tried to make a game in whatever it was, 2018, late 2017, it didn't. We, we gave up. We felt like ah, Axie kind of beat us. And also it's just, it's not ready. It's really clunky. We wanted to be all on chain, which was a failed thesis. We, we didn't really quite, we weren't ready to accept the centralization that exists today that everybody just takes for granted with all these other Solana type chains. So um, I was ahead of the curve and then very quickly went, oh man, I, I can't really see the future that's right in front of me. And then lost conviction and then just kind of sat there and um, that was it. Just held my Litecoins for a while, which... Yeah, wasn't that bad but also um it's crazy to be that much um of a believer but then also not put any money where my my brain was. I I don't know. <laughs> yeah, well,
0: you know what they say, it's like um it's better be to be third than first. Yeah, you know, okay. there's a lot of people like us that you know, you get in there early and like listen, when all is said and done, death bats Club may just be a stepping stone into something way better for someone else, right? And it's the same same thing that I mean and PUBG to me is like one of the greatest games of all time but if you look at PUBG, what they created and then fortnite came out of that right without without that then you've got call of duty with battle royales but it took a guy to go do a mod on something that just was different but he's not i'm sure they're fine but usually it's the second or third iteration that really gets it right because they get to kind of jump off their or at least stand on the shoulders of all the mistakes that you made
1: yeah um
0: yeah. and okay. so being first sometimes isn't great i was actually not to not to name drop but i was with. Well, I won't name drop. I was with an artist that's a huge artist recently, and they were telling me that they're watching the space and they don't want to be first because they understand that as things change, there'll be a moment to get in on something like the blockchain where it will be obvious that things have worked themselves out and that will be the time to get in. And I respect it. I get it. Like once you've been through enough cycles of seeing tech you know change and and mm-hmm. you know sometimes it doesn't pay to be the first one um totally but that's okay
1: yeah well there there's also benefits as well you get to uh, be ahead of the curve in terms of learning sometimes which I, you know i want to talk about death Bats club um uh, give us the high level i i know you're so used to talking to regular folks about this i i even see on your twitter so many people with just basic questions and i appreciate um I use you guys as an example often when I'm on a panel of like a real world group that's really helping to onboard and help educate, like contextualize it for regular people that don't really care about blockchain either way. They just care about you guys, your brand, the access, the perks, whatever, and understanding it as just a vehicle. And I love that framing. I think if we could amplify people doing that kind of framing, it would... It would be beneficial for the space, you know. I don't want to dunk on meme coins specifically, but it's like the opposite uh, end of the spectrum in terms of culture, you know. Really focusing on the utility and the vehicle of the back end versus this kind of topical layer. Um, so anyway, that's that's my uh, <laughs> boring analytical introduction. But please give me like your sexy elevator pitch of the Deathbat Club.
0: Yeah, it's it's basically everything anyone would ever want from an artist, um, and it can range from a rewards program to access to tickets, to um, special perks, to ownership of IP, to community, to, um, <clears throat> to to basically anything you'd want from a band. But as a vehicle on our back end, we're able to use the NFT as a connective tissue to everything, mm-hmm. right? Where historically you would have many different companies kind of running individual things, whether it's your merchandise or your VIP um, at the show or the meet and greets or the the, the actual vinyl to um, everything would be separated with different groups. We use the blockchain as a way to centralize everything in a way that we can reward people. So, and that can, that can actually break off into listening habits. It can break off into, we could actually write smart contracts to reward fans with royalties. If we choose to do so in the future, we, we'll need some partners for that. Um, we can actually, um, token gate ticketing to the point to where if you are a part of this club, you get ticketing, um, before everyone else. And, um, you're basically ridding the, you know, yourself from bots and, you know, Mm -hmm. resellers, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and we do a bunch of other fun, like fun NFT things for people like having parties or, um, doing meet and greets with the people that own some of these things, um, to get early access into shows. Um, So basically anything you would ever want from an artist on overdrive. And what makes it cool is that it's greater. It's a greater sum because of all the parts being in one area. So we can make all these things hyper um, cool and eccentric and over the top. Um, Where before you had a lot of different entities with, with, their hands and their opinions and what you should be doing for individual things. Mm-hmm. Um, so I call it like a, it's like a, um, it's a fan club on steroids, <laughs> but it's a fan club that the, that the, um, the participants actually own the club, uh, which is a crazy concept.
1: Yeah, it, it is. And I mean, this kind of replaced the email list was a big thing for bands for a long time. And I imagine the email list is still a pretty powerful vehicle, but is this, it, like an accessory to that, an addendum, a replacement?
0: You know, I could see, like, listen, the, the reality is m- most emails don't get opened, right? Um, we 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 see the numbers of, sorry, you're kind of breaking up a little bit.
1: Are you back? Yep, I'm, okay. I'm good.
0: Yeah, so I would say that email lists, right now we are working in tandem with many different technologies. So the way I'd put it is, we still sell vinyl when clearly streaming is what people do, right? So it doesn't need to be one or the other, but the email list, we, we've we noticed that everybody has an email list and everyone's sick of email lists and most people don't open email lists. And so you get very little traction on these sorts of things where the people in the Deathbats Club can get the same information, they'll probably get it earlier and they'll have a community on Discord to all discuss it instantly. And they're much more active, right? So yeah. um, we are using a bunch of different things. We're not just dumping one thing for another thing. But we do know that the experience that the Deathbeds Club are having is a much more elevated, enjoyable... Um, what would be another word? It's, um, it's a much more smooth once they've kind of crossed the barrier of understanding how their wallet works and how the blockchain works. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a much more elevated experience than what you would get from us kind of trying to throw fishing lines out there with email lists and take your phone number and you know all these sorts of things um just different
1: well and i mean i appreciate that it's on ethereum you know there's there's no mess no fuss no bridge it's kind of as base layer as it gets and you know that's not for everything but for something like this that's absolutely perfect i think in the modern age people coming in and evaluating this, there's so many temptations, there's Polygon, there's all these other side chains that are, you know, Arbitrum trying to get projects, have aggressive biz dev, and there's nothing wrong with that, but I also think there's beauty into being on on the base layer, you know, and that it feels right.
0: Well, when we started it off, we were trying to um, really project into the years to come, and for me being in Ethereum since it pretty much started, um, I always felt like I wouldn't want to put our fans money at risk by having a an unproven chain and yeah. a chain that could potentially have problems now we do bridge a lot we do polygon stuff for like things like po apps we do polygon we do sure. certain things sure. on polygon which we which we can talk about how we did a thing called ticket pass um so just to quickly jump into ticket pass ticket pass is something for people that can't afford the Death Bats club it's a free think of it as a bingo card right? So you've got this bingo card, but now you need the numbers. Now I bought a vinyl, I bought a t-shirt, I scan an NFC tag that, that, and you redeem the NFT. It goes into your bingo card. And now we can tear up your ticket pass. We do all that on, on Polygon, right? These are, this is a free, um, sort of scorecard that allows people who are going going to be doing their, um, their normal daily habits. Anyways, we're able to reward them with tickets earlier than the average fan that just wants to roll in there or the the scalper or whoever it is. So we have a thing called Ticket Pass that which we run on, on Polygon. Now we have everything working on the back end with bit flips where we can do stuff on Poly, but the main deathbats Club is on Ethereum and that is secure and that feels good. And, and I know that when people minted there was, you know, some gas wars, and this is before they went to proof of stake. We got a lot of crap from people. And I said, I have confidence that this will be proof of stake. It's gonna be fine. And then we got a lot of crap, yeah. and then it switched over, and then we didn't hear a word about it later. No one said sorry, <laughs> but um, but I'm glad it's on Ethereum. I'm glad that um that it's on something that I that I know isn't going to have problems.
1: Yeah, yeah, and, and ultimately, you know, they're they're most likely they're, they're designed to be more bought, collected, and held. Not to say that you can't buy and sell or, or whatever. There's nothing wrong with flipping. It's more just you know the, the sort of VIP access. Generally, you want to bring in fans that are going to value it because they're the ones that realize disproportionate value because there's an emotional connection to you it's such a great application of of what this stuff can do and you guys real
0: real quick i want to jump off what you just said um uh the one thing that we did that which which i which i love that we did is that we stayed completely away from the nft community we went directly to fans Mm -hmm. right like we we made it very clear from the beginning that this was not something that we were going to sit in the discord and pump the floor or do all the. We, we said we are going to do, we are going to give major benefits to anyone that actually likes our band. Things that you actually want meet and greets, get into shows early, the, the, you know, merch that you can only get if you're in this club um, ownership of the IP of the death like of your specific death so, we were very clear with the NFT community that you're probably not going to want to be in this club because we're not going <laughs> to react. Because I've been in enough things at that point to where it's just such a joke, right? You're in Discord, yeah. it's like, greatest, greatest thing ever, greatest, you know. And then what are we doing? What are we doing? And then it's like, oh, we're doing a comic book. Oh, shoot it to the, you know, through. So, you're not like, doing a land
1: sale? Is that what you're telling me? No, <laughs> we're
0: not doing a land sale. But we did go buy a bunch of land and we built stuff out for the fans to enjoy.
1: That's cool. Right. So, I like that.
0: Yeah. So, it's like, um, you know, we were one of the first people, I think first band to actually build a huge land in sandbox. We had the most traffic in the sandbox that they've wow. ever had in terms of when they opened it up for That's a while cool. for the beta. But
1: well, that's right up your alley because for folks that don't know, you guys did that thing with Call of Duty, right? Where you were you were in the game Duty, yeah. as like yeah. or multiple. Yeah, I'm I'm actually not a big I'm a Dota guy. I, I'm a MOBA dude, not a not a Call of Duty person. I I stopped at Halo. That's where I kind of parted with shooters until I came back to Counter Strike. So I just yeah, yeah totally sidelined Call of Duty, unfortunately. But I've seen the YouTube videos and like I I kind of blew my mind. And I was like, whoa! The end of the game is a rock concert with. The band, like that's that's the dudes in the game, like what yeah. that, it was mind blowing the first time I saw it, and I saw it years later, you know, when it was old news. But um, that's that's atypical, you know, that stood out of like not many game studios do crossovers with major bands at like the level you guys are for a variety of reasons. But oftentimes it's like risk of branding, and a lot of bands can be inconsistent, and like you know, game studios are work on these really long timelines. So it's it's really badass. That speaks to. To, there there must have been something to to make that happen. You know, that doesn't happen every day is what I'm bumbling to say.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, it was, uh, you know, the, Mark Lamia, who was the studio head at Treyarch, huge rock fan, loved Avenged Sevenfold. I met him and we'd been hanging out for years. And then he said, we're doing this. And um, That's awesome, they were the first people to get us to do a song outside of a record. We had always thought it was kind of cheesy to do one-offs for movies and stuff. But Call of Duty was something that we played all the time. So, we did a song called Not Ready to Die as an Easter egg in one of their zombies maps. And then the next, then called or Black Ops 2 came along and they said, We want to, we want to, will you guys do another song? We'll do a music video and have you at the end of the game because the game's so dark. We thought it would add some levity to the game to have like some fun, like to have (laughs) the main characters playing in the band. And so we did it and it was, it was awesome. And I'll also point out that in 2000, 14 we actually made our own mobile game that did really really well it's called hail to the king death bat um and it's still on game club it does really well and it was a dungeon crawler that we literally went in and built it on unity with a few with a small team and we we drew out the level design we did it all so we're just into we're into those things and so you know getting land early in sandbox and building out with an amazing team nibia and uh in france Building out a really cool world where people could go explore, you know, the art of a, any particular album just made sense to us. Mm-hmm. Um, so we just have fun with it. We we don't really live by the, uh, the rules of what we're supposed to do. We just kind of follow where our passions are and then just go fully into it. And either people like it or they don't.
1: That's great. I mean, that's uh, that that's a way to to make sure that you can scale your own culture as you know you kind of scale into the world. I, you know, I've I've lived in the esports bubble. I don't know how much you followed those kind of like real esports, like the League of Legends and you know Dota Two have these super deep, really intricate, like super dramatic. Um, a kind of storylines that keep this whole thing afloat but um it's a fascinating bubble to be a part of and see a, a microcosm of that entertainment industry where everyone's an ally but everyone's a contractor so everyone's also the they're Biggest competitors and um, yeah, it gets political real quick. It's kind of kind yes, of fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> Hard when it's a big popularity contest. But um, speaking of creators, one of the things that you guys thought of ahead of time was um, this this whole blur type situation with creator fees going out the window and having your collection be able to be malleable enough where you could say, "Hey, if you guys don't you know follow the the split that we've agreed to with our fans and what we want to do here, then." No, thank you. And now you guys are only listed. I think Coinbase is one of those places, but there's only specific platforms that you guys are listed on. And you really thought ahead on that. Not every smart contract gives one that ability with an NFT collection, correct?
0: Yeah, I don't think many did. Right. In fact, I haven't found anyone else that had that. So again, Joe and his team at BitFlips, um, I was sitting there really trying to understand how contracts worked because I was like, I was like, okay, so why if I, so if I, if I was to sell something to you, I, I was like, why wouldn't the royalty thing work? And he's like, well, because the royalties only get triggered by the marketplace. And I was like, okay, well, so the marketplace has, can like, you have to give them control to move your stuff around. What if the marketplace gets hacked? And he's like, well, there could be problems there. And I was like, well, what if the marketplace says they're not going to pay our royalties? And he's like, well, then you don't get paid royalties. I go, I go, that's, That can't happen. And so I was like, yeah, that doesn't work. I was like, doesn't work because the only way we keep afloat is by some sort of revenue stream coming in, like not avenge sevenfold per se, but just the idea that if we're going to give them the world, we need some sort of, you know, if you're going to trade these things around and we make this club amazing and they're going for one ETH each, we should participate in a little bit of that. That's kind of the promise of NFTs. Mm -hmm. And he's like, yeah, I don't know what to tell you. And I said, well, can you try to put something in the code? that allows us to block people from selling our stuff. And he's like, I can try, but no one's done it. And I was like, well, just let me know what you come up with. So <laughs> the day we were minting, he's like, I came up with something. Um, I don't know if it will work or not because I can't really test it. And I was like, okay, well, so we sent it to our friends at Wicked Craniums, um Doob and Derb. They looked at it and they're like, eh, don't know if it will work. Maybe. Uh, and they, and they, we kind of went back and forth on it. And we're like, then, then they came back and they said, well, we actually think it will work. And so we're like, okay, well, we're going to do the collection. So a year and a half later, you know, this thing comes down with Blur. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? So I go to Joe and I say, well, how hard is it to turn them off? And he goes, well, I should just be able to push one button. (laughs) And I was like, let's try it. So he pushes the button. I go in there and try to sell something. And it says, this collection does not, is not supported. And I'm like, oh my God, it worked. So we just went by every, you know, every single, um, wow. Every single site that was not um and it broke my heart with OpenC because we'd been on there for so long, you know. Mm-hmm. And it, we just went on there and just blocked everyone. And then we tried to go and trade on all those platforms and it wouldn't work. And then we went to Coinbase and said, Hey, if you guys continue to do creator royalties, we'll stay with you. But if you get rid of them, then we're gonna make our own marketplace and, and we'll block you too.
1: If I'm not mistaken, please correct me if I'm wrong, but I think I saw on Twitter that you you Kind of attempted to you offered that to OpenSea as well, like, hey guys, you know, if you'll enforce it, we'll gladly, you know, come back. And they either ignored you or said no, right? I mean, that was, is that the case?
0: Well, they hit up my my post and said it was misinformation. Oh, and I was like, well, that's well, one way to go. All I all I know, <laughs> well, yeah, explain it. Well, all I know is that if I try to turn my royalties off on OpenSea, then I can. So that there's nothing misinformed about it now. To be, like, let me steel man the case for them.
1: Okay, please.
0: At the end of the day, at the end of the day, like, they they can't do anything to upgrade our old contracts, right? They did make tools for the new contracts to be able to do what ours had done prior. The old contracts, things like apes and, well, punks are wrapped, but art blocks and all that stuff. The old contracts you have to understand if the, if the, if the culture is only this degen culture, that's just trying to flip things and they don't give a shit about the royalties, then there then there's nothing OpenSea can do. If they keep that, if they keep the royalties on that collection, they'll, they'll literally sell none, right? Because everyone will go to blur and just do it and there's nothing they can do. So I think they did the right thing with, um, you know, making the tools for artists to, to be able to block those other marketplaces. But, and I think they're kind of stuck on the old collection. What are you going to do? Really? You can, keep it on, but everyone's going to go somewhere else. I think I probably shouldn't have lashed out that hard on them. Kind of like, cause I get the situation they're in, right? It, it sucks, yeah. but I'm glad that there will be a standard moving forward where people can block marketplaces that, and maybe they'll get their way around that.
1: But, Isn't the other side of that, right? You drive demand for your collection. So now that only goes through Coinbase or whatever other handful that you specifically select because they'll enforce the numbers that you think are fair. And more importantly, your community think are fair or have agreed to otherwise. Right. So like for OpenSea, they're stuck for some collections. So why not just go with it? Because as an example, I... OpenC' is just more convenient for me. If I'm on the platform anyway, yeah. I, I'm just going to use it by default. So I now have to go out of my way. You know, it's um, if I were them, I would just give and be like, hey, you got one over on us. You're right. Well done. You thought ahead. That's that's your reward. <laughs> Touche. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm definitely
0: on on the side that you just said. Um, yeah. But if I was to like just play devil's advocate and let's kind of yeah. I get what's happening. Listen, there. totally they are a company that was making so much money and so much money was being piled in by VCs. And then all of a sudden, true, you've got this culture where there's no way to make money because you've got technology that came along. Right. It's like, kind of like, it's kind of like they got disrupted the same way the music industry got disrupted with LimeWire and Napster, but, th- but it happened like in a year, right? <laughs> like the exponential growth of like, um, yeah, technology and NFTs. Like it was like, Oh nope, royalties are gone. But but really it speaks to the culture. The culture of NFTs became this thing where what I like to call it is like you're selling concert tickets to the concert that no one knows, but there's no artist to play. There's nothing there. <laughs> yeah. And you're just you're constantly trading these tickets around saying, I swear there's gonna be a band someday and they're gonna be awesome. They're gonna be your favorite band. It's gonna be great. And you can't you can't survive that way. So what I've kind of done is said, well. Deathbats Club lives by none of those rules. We're building stuff that's real. We're going out and talking to Ticketmaster. We're going out and talking to Spotify. We're going out and talking to people that can be real partners and give an actual value. And look at our token is worth three hundred bucks. It's not fifteen thousand dollars because that's probably what it should be worth. Yeah. Um, and so NFTs got themselves way down this sort of the idea of the idea that we talk about an NFT as a thing, other than a technology that should probably not even be mentioned is crazy to me. Really, yeah. really the Deathbats club is the death Bats club. And it just happens to be that there's a technology underlying it that allows you to have all these nice things. Now, if you want to go down that rabbit hole and understand these nice things, we'll be happy to explain it to you, but you should just be joining because you want what the club has to offer. That, yeah. that is a healthy ecosystem. Right. Not, I want to have an NFT. Just to have an nft and hopefully it goes up in price and i'm going to tell all my friends to buy them and then be pissed off on twitter when it doesn't happen
1: right well and i love that you guys have the start at the base level sort of free to enter experience where you can level up this nft as you do different actions the bingo card is a great analogy that kind of simplifies the mechanism but that that's a really important on-ramp that helps you know, it, it drives value to the the existing NFTs, the ten K, and you know, you can add extra perks, but it 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 makes it so you don't have to to do that. You know, I think like Dead Drop is that game that I've been really excited about that the Dr. Disrespect one because their their collection is very similar where it's just a pass for gamers. It has like ninety-five percent unique holders or something because yeah. it's driven by people that just wanna play the game. They wanna play Doc's new game and early access and make sure they're in like early as soon as every snapshot comes out that's that's utility and it's very similar i think the price point is like you know 0. 0.3 eth or something it's a relatively low entry point for a, a lifetime pass to a game studio um, and i think that's very similar to the sort of model that you're talking about where i don't know why that's the rarity and it seems like everything else is you know the future band in my case it's the future game but exact same framework don't worry. The game's coming someday. I don't know what it is, what genre it is or how we're going to make it, but when we do, it's going to be yeah. the sickest game you've ever played. I've yeah. I've heard that sales pitch a lot over the last 2 years. It's I'm, it's tiresome. I'm really
0: proud, I'm really proud of Doc cuz um I've known him for years and I um you know, we've both been going on separate paths, but we do call each other every once in a while and talk about this. And I think I just think he's doing it right. He's the only one that I see doing it right. Um there's others, but I just love his mentality towards it and i love how big of a streamer he is and he can and he's doing it anyways mm-hmm. right like i i respect that because i am mean, you know i listen i see the comments on his posts about that stuff and it's just pure misunderstanding negativity cynical you know us and him we're all just bad guys trying to scam everybody and it's like no he's really trying to make something and he's doing it in a really cool innovative way and i'm proud of him
1: yeah no, well said. I I've never met him. I've only been able to observe from afar in my my little Dota bubble, but um, yeah, very excited. I was just at that 3XP conference in the the first like esports web3 conference in LA and Dead Drop was the highlighted game. So it was cool. I feel like when you see these games blown up, you know, on the big screen, that's that's when you really see the differences, you know, when you see clips on Twitter, everything gets downscaled. So it all it all looks pretty good, but when you see it on the big screen, you go, "Oh, yeah, that's smooth. Okay, I, I can see some difference here. So I'm I'm really excited for uh, for what they're building. Um. I was at NFT Paris earlier this year and I heard Yatsu from Animoca gave this really great presentation. This was like right amidst all the the blur stuff. You know, February was kind of peak time. And he gave a great presentation that was making the case that we have to defend creator fees, that like this is an integral part of the ecosystem. And if we lose this, a big part of the culture that drove the value here falls apart. And he summarized it um, by kind of saying like, creators drive culture and culture drives value. And I... I would assume you align with that thesis, but I thought that was like a really powerful way to summarize, you know, this kind of fan club on steroids concept that you're talking about.
0: Yeah. So I think it all depends on what the, what's initially laid out in the beginning, right? Like, and what you're trying to do, like if you want this club that you own and you want there to be really nice things, you can't expect someone else to be footing the bill forever. Right. And the most unegregious way to do it is just say, well, Hey, if you're out, or if you want to get rid of some of these things, 5% is not egregious at all. You, you, before, before this you owned nothing, you would just (laughs) give us money on Patreon or whatever it is. And you would get nothing. You'd get some content. Now you get the content and you get the ownership into the club. You get the IP, you get everything. So to leave it's for a fan club. It makes sense. Now, if you're, like for ticket pass, when everything's free, we're not putting a creator royalty on that. NFTs are on a spectrum, a spectrum of like, there can be things that there is no creator fee and there can be things that there isn't. But when you purchase that, when when our fans purchased those initial NFTs and they were buying the Death Bats Club, they knew exactly what they were buying and what the fees were right there's no 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 rug was pulled no no we didn't spike these things up we didn't do anything you knew what you were getting and um it's just it's just a really um interesting part of the culture that kind of took over there Mm -hmm. i think it's important i think if you want i think if you want um these ecosystems to be um you need money to throw parties you need money to get the security guy that's going to let you in the venue door you need money to to you know, do all these sorts of things unless you want them to be nickel and diming you and re- reselling you merch over and over and making you pay to get into events and making you, you know, the, the bar costs money now, it's not free and, you know, like all these things and, oh, you have an opportunity to meet us, but we have to charge you because it's costing us a shit ton of money. That's how the world becomes if you don't have those simple things like a, like a creator royalty, mm-hmm. um, you know? And I always thought it was revolutionary when, you know, I, I've had multiple fidenzas in my life I always loved the idea when I sold them that Tyler Hobbs was getting some of that. I always loved the idea that, that these artists were, um, you know, rewarded for life on these things, exchanging hands.
1: Totally. No, I mean, that was a big thing from Justin TV to Twitch TV. You know, that was like what made esports possible was flipping the switch of broadcasting is really expensive. You kind of need traditional airwaves to get your stuff out there. All of a sudden, anybody with a GPU can start encoding live video, live HD video, you know, 720p, 1080p, 2012 through 2015. There was this big intersection of StarCraft two, and now people can share it with the world, and then that culture just exploded. Um, and a big part of it was now... They were able to sell ads on that and make that a profitable business, but with a big profit share to bring users in. And that's how the live streamer was born. All of a sudden, you could just click run commercial and some magic happens, some ads go, and then you get money in your pocket. That, that's a pretty new thing. That, that used to be a really, really advanced, complicated, big business-to-business operation. And you know, Twitch, is, as well as a bunch of these other platforms, could really simplify it. But what made Twitch so different at the beginning, they would say, hey, this commercial it really does support the person that you're watching. Like this money goes right into this streamer's pocket. And at the very beginning, that was like, mm, people were proud to watch ads on Justin TV back in that day. That sounds crazy, yeah. but the very beginning of esports, nobody had any money. There were no sponsors. That was, that was revolutionary. So I, I feel you there. It, it's wild how fast things move and it gets taken for granted. But I vividly remember those days of like, wow, I made $50 today on, on the internet. That's awesome. Yeah, that's,
0: <laughs> that's insane. Yeah, Twitch is incredible. What an incredible tool.
1: Um, do you guys yeah, do live and, streaming as a band? I, is that something that was, has been used at so, all?
0: So we, we started talking about it, and then we decided we opted out of doing any sort of live streaming because we... Now, there's... Again, I can steal man both sides of this, right? There's people with PTSD. There's people that don't feel uncomfortable going into shows. There's people with social anxiety. And a lot of the people that um, will live stream, they they're those people, right? And and you want to be there for them, but there's also something about this culture now where, like for instance, we we played a show the other night at the forum, and it was a two hour long set, hour and fifty minutes, and we've spent hundreds of thousands of dollars getting this live show to look the way it does with the with the production and the screens and the content that's happening. And everybody sits there and they're watching the YouTube videos from home. They go, okay, okay, I saw that. Now I want them the next show. They need to change the whole set list around and do this whole other thing. (laughs) And it's like, guys, the show is not for you. The show was built to be there and to see us in person and us to see you in person. It's a vibe. It's like your tribe. It's like, there's something about being there and feeling it and having your ears blown out and just, you know, being in the mosh pit. And so- We've decided that for us, we think less is more in terms of us being constantly um, in in your face with, mm-hmm. hey, we're live streaming every show. Well, that gets boring real quick. And so we've decided to kind of keep that sacred so we're, we're not doing live streaming. So again, wow. it's using technology, it's using technology in a way that can coincide with, you know, it's like the vinyl and the streaming. Like people want both. Um, but we're not going to, um, we're not going to flood people with us. We just think it gets too much and it gets overdone. So for us, no,
1: that's good. Uh, Early on in my esports career, a mentor told me only do interviews. If you have something to say, don't just sit down and blather into the mic. If you don't have an original thought, think about it. And if you have something to say, blast it. If you don't shut the fuck up and go think a little bit longer. And I think I overall, that. that's that's pretty good advice. Um, I, I like that you mentioned, though, keeping that that attendance experience kind of sacred because I, I think there's there's certainly something to that as someone who's been to quite a few live shows myself. It was a passion of my father's his whole adult life. He was always going to concerts and dragging the family along. So um, there there is like a magical energy. You know, I, I grew up near Philadelphia, you know, like CKY and that kind of era of that just nice aggressive kind of I don't, what do you call c is that hardcore i don't know what genre you would call that is but um
0: i love cky they, they, yeah. they're a band that's really um they're a band that really does have their own sound yeah it's like it's those grindy guitars and kind of it's melodic but it's i, I don't know what i would call it, but we actually toured with them in 2007
1: oh fuck wow that's um yeah around the time i saw them i think two or three times in philly mostly at the trocadero saw them at the troc twice and then whatever the riverfront was called back then the tweeter center some shit like that um but yeah great great live band um but is proof of participation in terms of attendance like something that you've thought about in terms of that nft experience because i like with all these projects right the problem is that intersection of get you know the oracles getting data that's off chain and getting it in on chain somehow, um, and it's like QR codes are very rudimentary. But I think of you know physical attendance, even if you're not you know totally KYCing into your system, it's like proof of a human, and that's a like a really cool way to even you know, I I guess you've already experimented with this in in terms of letting people level up the experience, but is proof of attendance part of that modeling? Because to me, that seems like just such a cool thing to be able to hook into the loop where you can be your own Oracle as the band that puts on the show and controls the tickets or has some insight into the tickets. Like, am I crazy? Or is that intersection actually really fucking cool?
0: It's amazing. And so obviously Ticketmaster already has that ability. They've been doing it, right? where um a lot of their ticketing now is NFCs, so you know you're going in it's it's scanning and it's proof that you're there and then they're dropping you that that ticket stub. Now we're working with them to get that information, but right now we are building something and I don't want to talk too much about this because it's not it's going to be in a beta and it's going to be rolled out in July. Oh cool. but we are making something that mirrors your wallet without the internet. Um, every 15 minutes I think is what it is, where it will mirror what's in your wallet so you can get into the show and when you scan your ticket, it will get back to us that you would fit in the show. That's 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 us without, you know, dipping into Ticketmaster's data pool, right? Mm-hmm. That's just us. We'll have that on our on our own. So we'll know the wallet connects, the ticket connects, now we know. So Deathbats Club, it's easy. Ticket pass will be the next step and then the pa- the, the step after that will be Maybe we do just work with Ticketmaster and airdrop everybody, our own version of whatever their PO app is, and then we can see on the back end how many um, Ticketmaster Avenged Sevenfold tickets they have, and then we can reward them. But yeah, it's a really interesting thing. Um, wow. We have a lot of thoughts on it. The, at the form, we did like the, the um, I would say like the janky version, which is people, people, okay. We did the really lame version at the forum, right? So the really lame version was we're in the Death Bats Club, they redeemed their token. We could see that they redeemed it. They came in, they scanned their their ticket, and then we see it on the back end, and then we're gonna manually drop them all stuff. Okay. The cool version, yeah. the cool version is gonna be when everything mirrors itself and it just happens. Yeah. And yeah. that and that we think we'll have ready. I don't and I I my, my team will see this interview and they'll be like, oh you know, like, you know, like we're, we're not, we might not be ready, but
1: so we're August. trying
0: to roll that out by July. <laughs> yeah. We're trying to roll that out by July so that someone with a Death Bats Club can literally go buy it in the parking lot and then just roll right into the venue and it all works. Right. Okay. Cause, cause what we have set up right now is that you would need to be at home, you redeem that you're going to do it. And then when you actually scan it, it actually reads it. Um, but it would be great if you could just literally be in the parking lot, go Death Bats Club. What's that? Oh. I can buy that right now. Oh, it will work. Oh, walk around. So that's what we're trying to get to.
1: Do you guys have your own marketplace as well? Or are you reliant on third parties totally?
0: So right now we're relying on Coinbase NFT to hold up royalties. But we did tell them that we will build our own if they go the way of blur. Got it. So it, it wouldn't be that hard of a thing. But you got to think we have, a, we have a team of four guys that are incredible. But we can't do everything at once, and so it's like take on one project at a time, you know. Um, so right now it's the the almost token proof, you know, mirrored NFT. But don't we don't want you? Oh, I think we're there? back. Perfect. Okay, yeah. So I think solving one problem at a time, you know, um, this mm-hmm. this sort of mirrored thing um, is number one priority, and then we're gonna look at um, we're gonna look at uh, implementing we've promised this for a long time that if you're a Death Bats club member you get like 10 percent off of all merch through the shopify store but that it takes time to build that stuff out right and test mm-hmm. it so we're kind of going priorities right now and doing one thing at a time not promising anything but just kind of yeah rolling it out when it comes and just not hyping anything up
1: no that's awesome that's uh super exciting and um wow so Learned so much. I really appreciate you. Uh, you know, I'm sure you've shared a lot of this across different interviews, but it's super cool to hear so much, you know, crypto and blockchain history and then so much real world experience and application. You really, you have an intersection of knowledge that very few people have. Like, are, are, Do you ever do speaking at any conferences? Are there any like, you know, big Ethereum, you know, times you... You would be great on stage at whatever the biggest place to talk about crypto is. That's uh <laughs> Yeah.
0: I I I you know, two years ago I I I talked at Art Basel and then I I did NFTLA that same year. And NFTLA is really where um I it was 2021? it was a little probably 2021, it was a little contentious because I had three people on the, the panel that were just in La La Land. You're going to go, you're going to own my NFT and we're going to go to space together. And then I'm going to, you're going to help me write songs. And, and I was like, and like, when it got to me, I was like, this is, this is so bullshit. Yeah. Like <laughs> all of it, bullshit. like, and I, and I went in on it and I started talking about my vision for it. And it just happened that David Marcus, the head of Ticketmaster was in the audience. And after that talk, he grabbed me after and he said, can we go to lunch? So we went to lunch and that's actually what started this, um, this uh, collaboration between us and Ticketmaster. Wow, um, that go. they had been, yeah. And so, I did talk at some things, and then I just, I just honestly, at this point, I just want to build I
1: and build
0: and just and just and what we're really doing as well is that we're we're not just building for us. We have a whole platform on the back end where we could roll in an artist tomorrow, and they wouldn't even need to know what Web three is. Um, they could they could turn redemptions on and off. They could. They can do whatever they want just by simply having like a a brilliant, simple UI that that allows them to um, do whatever they want for their fan club. And so I think our biggest thing now is proving out this next iteration so that our fans can go talk to other bands and go like, why aren't you doing this? Mm -hmm. And then we can say, hey, we will help you. We will help you be the one part of the digital handshake that can shake Ticketmaster's hand, right? Because there needs to be two parties there. Right. Ticketmaster can't do this themselves. They need an artist with a token to to interact with. Right. And so we can do that for artists. And I think that's our next step is kind of wrapping up some of these things and then going to artists and going, "Hey guys, this is ready for you when you're ready."
1: That's that's awesome. I, I love that approach. Uh, very much a philosophy that I I think I've largely tried to mirror uh, into gaming. So you know, d- again, different applications, but fantastic framework. So um really appreciate it one last question for you uh reading anything good right now any books on the nightstand that that you can recommend are you a big reader
0: i am not a i am a reader but not um i i don't have any inspirational or self help books or anything like that but one book that i would that I would have to recommend is um until the end of time by brian green um okay. it's a it's a it's a book that's helped me immensely they basically go from what we know on the bleeding edge of science from the big bang to what's going to happen to this universe at the end of time and everything in between and um, and it kind of gives you like a little bit of warmth of your place in this whole thing and and it gives you a little bit of like reflection of um, or or can give you some self-reflection of like Uh, how, how impermanent time is and how impermanent everything is and how you just have to live in the moment, be yourself, enjoy yourself. Um, and don't just keep wishing for the next thing. Um, you'll never be satisfied. Just enjoy the journey. (laughs) There's no destination and just be you. And, um, I think, uh, that is a book that I can't recommend enough.
1: Okay. Wow uh appreciate that I've, I I you know, I've been reading Stay while and Listen it's just a book about uh, blizzard and making video games so I've, I've been trying <laughs> to keep it light but that's fantastic I'll add that one to the the queue for sure really appreciate it see that's why I ask because that's one I've never heard of and it sounds sounds like a can't miss
0: yeah for sure until the end of time
1: perfect all right well any other shout outs like social media or anything like that where people can find death bats or follow your stuff because you uh, are certainly someone with a lot of insight
0: uh no i mean if, if you're into avenge sevenfold then i think you will not be bummed there's plenty of people in the discord that will help you out if you want to join we have like everyone's taken upon themselves to just really make this an easy process for new people if you if you want to dip your toes in and, and look at the ticketing part ticket passes for you it's free you can download one on OpenSea right now absolutely free um That's cool. and uh free, well, actually no you I'm sorry, you don't go to OpenSea. You go to our IO site, and then you connect your wallet, and then it instantly drops into your wallet, which is cool. Um, Even easier. So we made everything easy. And I think that uh, if you're a fan of the band, we'd love to have you. And um, if you're just an NFT person, stay away because <laughs> <laughs> there's nothing to flip here.
1: That's great. Yeah,
0: but That's I appreciate nice. you. Thanks for the interview. It's It's been awesome. I love talking about Web3. I've been talking about music so much that um, it's, it's good to get back to... Um, some things that i'm really passionate about which is um you know trying to bring our community of people together and then hopefully you know say a band like metallica has a group or even if it's like kid cuddy or or 100 gex or whatever it is right Mm -hmm. and then through nfts you would be able to reward their fans and and kind of mix match and really do all these things but right now we're kind of by ourselves so um it's kind of lonely but it'd be great if to start seeing artists totally. get involved in the blockchain and be able to reward other people's fans.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I feel lucky that most of the folks that have employed me in gaming share this vision of, hey, we got to grow the whole ship. There's just a lot of people that need to be reached. This is about fundamental technology. So part of my job is to be an evangelist and just go out there and try to explain to people that the general concept of why they should be open to blockchain in general, you know, start wide and then narrowed down to use case. So um, I agree. I
0: mean, like last week we had 300, maybe 400 death bats club come to our show. We had 15,000 tickets sold. So that's 4,600 people, 14,600 people that don't know what this is, but that they're at the show and they obviously would enjoy the benefits. They want to know why people are getting in early. They want to know why there's people wearing merch that they don't know where it came from. Like, that's a huge, you know, um, percentage of people that have, yeah, yeah, they, they don't, they, it doesn't register. Right. And so, um, that's, that, that was like a shot of reality to me of like, wow, there's only 400 deathbeds club here and there's 14,600 people that are fans that don't know what it is. So, and and then we multiply that through every venue across the United States I mean, there's there's so many. Yeah, there's so many people. Let's go. Yeah, we got we got it. We got to try to take it over. But um, so anyways, I appreciate you. Um, It was really fun. um, But we have a lot of work to do. Yeah,
1: Yeah. totally. All right. Well, I'll let you get to it. Uh, Keep uh, building and giving me stuff to to talk about while I'm on stage. And, um, you know, we'll keep doing great things. Now I got to come to a show. And get the utility out of my death I've been holding for a while, but now I need to. My, my buddy that I mentioned at the beginning, he just uh, ordered the vinyl for the new album, and he was super oh, stoked. Cool. He was showing it to awesome. me, and he's, uh, yeah, super jazzed. So where are you located? I'm in Puerto Rico now. So that's uh, oh. nice to have a crypto community here. And actually, I moved with a couple other crazy Axie people. So um, I, I don't work for Axie anymore. Now I'm with Crypto Unicorns, just a Polygon game. Um, but it's, it's a great application. It's fun to be the gaming guy around a group of folks that are a little more, you know, DeFi, you know, some hardcore programmers, some hardcore investment dudes. It's a pretty wide, but also tight knit community down here. I'm glad I, I came from Colorado. So big change from snowy mountains to, uh, Caribbean.
0: That's awesome. Well, if we ever make it down there, we have played there before, but if we ever come back, We'll be seeing you there and you get that death bat, and we'll
1: think about it. They go crazy. Not enough bands come through here because they forget about the island. So, um, it's, it's something to think about. Bad Bunny is like, you know, it little uptick in the GDP when he comes through. It's a lot lot of pride in the local music scene here now. It's insane.
0: Yeah, that's great. Well, we look forward to it.
1: Awesome. Well, thanks a lot, man. Appreciate it. Take care. All right.